such things are afoot at the Circle K. chosen one to host the show, but hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity. See what I'm talking about? Listen here, you beautiful bitch, I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why am I here? You shut up. You won't let it. No, you won't let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open! You haven't had You do not want to see me get out of this chair! Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for another installment of Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K. Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K. I am your illustrious host... Johnny Doe, the Everyday American. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. How's your week been so far? Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, as always. So, one of the reasons I cracked the mic on this podcast is because I want to talk about... If you listen to this podcast, you know that I I try not to get overly political. Um, I try to be topical sometimes, but... um, you know, I I rather look at something that's an overarching um, issue and not something necessarily that's just like, hey, this is the hot thing in the news today. Um, but it's not only relevant, but I think it can um, we can talk about a little bit bigger problems that we have uh, with this issue and how it's not easily solved and it's not easily debated. It's it's one of those issues <clears throat> that nobody likes to talk about because everyone just goes into their corners, right? You know, the right corner, the left corner, whatever. Okay, and that's gun control. Now, a couple days ago, big mass school shooting, uh, nothing new, right? I mean, it's it's happened in this country countless times. And every single time it happens, the gun control debate comes up. Now, I've never understood why it takes something like this when we've had so many, why why it, it ramps back up afterwards. Um, and right there, a red flag goes up for me, is if you're not passionate enough about a problem, um, you know, a year after a shooting, then... Um, then when you're you're so passionate right afterwards, it's because you're emotional. And you should never make any decision, let alone legislation um, or legislative decisions based on emotions. And then the other debate is the healthcare or not healthcare, the mental health debate. It always comes up because uh, every single person that is a, a shooter, it's really easy to say they have mental health problems because who the fuck would go into a school and shoot 17 people unless they're crazy, right? And everybody wants to have those those um, thoughts. Now, I'm gonna I'm here to tell you why those two courses of action will never work. Um, 
and it's there's a myriad of reasons, but there's there's a, a few in particular reasons, and and what we should do as a society. Okay, so the hotly contested subject of gun control and the Second Amendment. Now, I've gone back and forth on this. Um, I'm not a huge gun person. Like, you know, I'm in the military. Um, I was in the infantry for a number of years. Um, I've, I've shot a lot of guns. I've done a lot of cool shit with guns. Um, I've done stuff on the civilian side and in the military. Um, I like them, but I don't. I own a rifle, and that's it. I don't own any handguns. I don't own... And the rifle I just bought just to, to teach my wife how to shoot. And I don't even, I rarely shoot it. It's just not something that is one of my hobbies. Um, so there's definitely times where I go, yeah, we got too many guns in this country. Okay. Um, but then there's the flip side. You know, it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't base a belief or anything based on your own interest. It should be... Um, it, it always should come down to this, um, freedom. All right. And anytime that you want to encroach on someone's freedom, it should be because that freedom is so far one way that it's taking over other people's rights and freedoms. Okay. It's kind of like free speech and uh, freedom of religion, freedom of press. But as soon as you start like, you know, slandering people, it's not freedom of speech anymore because now you're infringing on their rights. So where, where do we draw the line with uh, the gun control thing? <sighs> Unfortunately, I don't know that you can. And okay, think about it this way. Who's one of the biggest lobbyists in Washington? It's the gun control people or the, uh, the gun advocates, the NRA. Okay. And uh, no matter if you see it as evil, you see it as they have ulterior motives, they're in it for this or this or that. Bottom line is uh, this country, its history is tied to firearms and the Second Amendment with, with defending, being able to defend your own home, right? Your own domicile. Um, the second part of the debate, the mental health debate, who's one of the biggest lobbyists next to uh, you know, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, the drug industry, right? And the drug industry is tied to the mental health thing. So l let's, let's kind of break it down a little bit. Look at it this way. If you said we're going to outlaw AR-15s or handguns or whatever, uh, the NRA is going to take a huge hit. Politically, they're not going to have as much power. Um, you're going to give a huge leg up to the Democrats. There, so there's so many ulterior motives no matter if you like guns or not like guns, politically, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a bomb, right? Um, now, a lot of people go, okay, let's not have that debate. Let's talk about mental health. We need to at least keep guns out of the hands of people that have mental health issues. Well, let's break that down a little bit. What is a mental health issue? I mean, think about that for a second. Okay, first off, you have to diagnose somebody with a mental health issue. How, how difficult is that? Because um, we've talked about on this podcast before, I mean, in the psychiatric journals, trans being a, a trans person is a psychological issue. 
So is that mental health? So if you're a trans person, can you not buy a gun? What about ADHD? That is a, a, a mental health or personality disorder. So is it, what about personality disorders? Are we just talking about mental health diagnosis or personality disorders like bipolar and things like that? So what constitutes mental health? So if a kid goes uh, to a counselor's office and starts saying, my mom and dad aren't getting along and I'm depressed, well, that should be flagged for mental health, correct? So that means he can never buy a gun? So it's kind of the same debate that we have in the military where you have a lot of people uh, that suffer from PTSD or PTSD-type symptoms, and you're encouraged to go get help, but you pretty much ruin your career. So me as an infantry guy, if I come back from overseas and I have some mental health issues um, and I go and say, hey, I'm going to go to the VA or, hey, I need to talk to somebody, and all of a sudden I say those, those words, I'm depressed, I'm thinking about harming myself, this or whatever it is, automatically flagged is what we call it in the military, which means you can't go to any military schools. You can't uh, carry a weapon. So in the infantry, you essentially don't have a job now. Um, You can't get promoted if you can't do those things. You probably can't uh, do your assigned duties. And so you're immediately, not even the scarlet letter from a admin standpoint, you're worthless in the military as soon as you're flagged. Now, People always just assume that, oh, you can go get help and still do your job. Well, there's just that stigma onto it as well. So that's why a lot of people in the military don't get help for those things is because, one, they're looked at as weak. There's that stigma. And two, they're worried about their career. Where they, they might get you know booted out of the military because they can no longer perform their duties. And if you don't have enough time in, you can't even get like a retirement or any of that stuff, right? So if you have that same issue here uh, with the civilian population, how many people are going to go seek help and go get counseling? Uh, You know, I have an office partner that's an avid hunter and um, he's in the military and he, he uh, recently has been going through a lot of depression and stuff like that. So he went and saw counseling and so he can no longer be, be a recruiter because he doesn't pass all those clearances that you need because of his mental health issues. But every single weekend, he's up in the mountains hunting, he's shooting guns all the time. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, he would obviously be flagged and his life would be over because even though his whole life is about hunting and shooting and stuff like that, he would be put on a list and he he already has tons of guns. So what happens if you're put on that mental health, quote unquote, registry, where he has 50 guns, would he go take them away or can he just not buy any anymore? Can you still buy ammo? And so when you have these lobbyists in Washington, D.C., you think that they're going to allow that to happen? Because what's going to happen is it's going to start cutting into their bottom line because people are not going to be seeking counseling. Or they're, uh, you know, for instance, to buy a firearm, let's say you got to provide pharmaceutical records for the last couple of years showing that you're not on any antidepressants. So people are going to be nervous about taking that stuff, or they're going to be going to the black market to try to get their mental health drugs. And then now you just caused two or three additional problems, and you really still haven't solved the root of the issue. And the root of the issue to me with the mass shootings, it's not gun control. It's a little bit mental health, but it's it's not as is it's more nuanced than that. It's not as simplistic as just oh, it's crazy people shooting people. No, 
we have a breakdown in society. We have a breakdown, everything from the school systems to parenting, the, 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 the entire thing is failing. And every single time I see a school shooting, nobody ever says, talks about that stuff because they want the president to sign something into law and think that a problem's gonna go away. And they want easy fixes. And people to complex problems like this, they, there might be simple solutions, but they're not easy. And most of the time, they're not simple. And to this, to, in this debate here, there's so many factors to why someone goes on a mass shooting spree. You can't just pass some legislation and think that's gonna go away. All right, evil people will do evil shit. And, you know, no matter if they get into a car or if they use a hammer or a knife or they use explosives, um, and especially if you have this many guns in this country, gun control at this point is a moot point because if somebody's going to commit murder, then they're definitely going to commit a theft to get a gun or buy one on the black market. When I was a 16-year-old kid, I had a, somebody try to uh, sell me a revolver in my neighborhood that I lived in. I mean, just just had it in their pocket. I was like, hey, you want to buy this gun? You know, I mean, it, it's not, I didn't go looking for it. It's 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 easier than people think to get a uh, firearm, you know, legally or illegally. I should say illegally. Everyone knows how easy it is to get or hard to get, you know, on the on the legal side. Now, Back to the mental health stuff or the uh, seemingly mental health stuff. So why doesn't anybody ever look at the school systems and go, well, maybe we shouldn't have schools that have 3,000 kids in it? Because what happens when you have 3,000 kids? None of those kids know each other for the most part. And so that community breaks down. And so when you have that kid that shot up the school, he kind of slipped through the cracks. Um, It's not a community. Now, if you go to like the size town that I live in, where the largest school is, is like a 3A school, and a lot of them are 1A schools, you see it's a different type of community. I want to see statistical data on how many of these schools were 1A schools, 2A schools, 3A schools, because I think that there's some, some data that can be mined to see how much, how many kids slip through the cracks in these giant fucking schools. And maybe the system, maybe this, the, the education system in this country we know isn't working great. And now it's developed into a lot of disfranchised kids that are, it, it's so bad that they're wanting to ruin their lives and kill people. And so maybe we ought to really look at that as, as well as look at guns, as well as look at mental health. But just understand if you just try to make it a mental health thing, what what Pandora's box are you opening by saying uh, by saying that? Just about everybody I know has sought some kind of counseling at some point. What constitutes mental health or you being flagged for not being able to buy a firearm? And I can tell you right now in the military, it we still have all those problems because of this stigma because seemingly, Seeking help punishes you in the military. Do you really want that on the civilian side? Do you want someone to be punished, quote unquote, they just for seeking help? So what are you going to do? You're going to encourage people not to because they're afraid of putting on being put on some registry, right? I mean, how many times you go to the grocery store 
and you're buying something, you like they're like, do you have your rewards card or whatever? And you scan it. Then they go, what's your phone number? And you're like, why the fuck do you need my phone number? Right? People are nervous about being on just a sales registry, let alone being on some overarching mental health thing where 10 years from now you go to buy a gun because you want to start target shooting or start clay pigeon shooting or something all of a sudden, oh, you've been flagged so you went and saw some counseling uh, for your divorce 10 years ago. Or you said that you were depressed 10 years ago. That That's the problem. And um, you're not going to, so if you're not going to have the people behind it, you're definitely not going to have the drug companies behind it because the drug companies love more medicated people and people to be to to want to be on these antidepressants and to want to be on ADHD and and you know all that all that shit right and the gun people of course they're not going to be helping out trying to pass any kind of gun legislation because they want their freedoms and so we're kind of in a quagmire here so what we need to do is look at society. And understand that if I can have the freedoms to buy a gun, all right, and I'm never going to shoot up a school if um, society hasn't failed me at some point. You and it's and it's a it's another kind of catch-all that people are trying to say. Well, it's just crazy people. Yes, I agree. For you to get to that point, you have you have crossed the line into crazy when you want to just kill random people. But before you do that, are you crazy? Is the act crazy? Is it the thought that's crazy? Is it the planning that makes you quote unquote crazy? Uh, what, what I think is this person might have done a crazy act, but they are completely mentally capable of understanding that what they're doing is wrong. So, you know, by the definition of psychotic, you don't really fit into that in the, into that mold. So if you look at this person's history, I guarantee you're going to see parenting issues. You're going to see home issues. You're going to see social issues. You're going to see the breakdown of our society and this kid slipping through the cracks. And you see all the warning signs and there's we don't have that infrastructure to to deal with it. And so when anytime a kid that age can say fuck it, I'm ready to flush my life down the toilet flip the game board over and fucking start again and spend the rest of my life in prison or whatever, or be killed by the cops, then the system is way, way fucked up. So that's what we need to address is, is more than just those things is we have to look at the big picture. And every time something like this happens, people get emotional understandable. If my kid was killed in a school shooting, I'm sure I would be emotional too. But I'm, I want to go on record right now and say, if something happens to me emotionally, I shouldn't be allowed to really be in the debate because I'm not thinking logically. I'm, I'm dealing, I'm thinking emotionally and you can't make emotional reactive decisions like this. And the problem is, is we have people that have agendas, political agendas in our society. And so people have the knee-jerk reaction when they hear gun control to think of the left-wing people that want to ban all guns. And once you ban this, then they're going to ban this. And, and, and I understand why they think that because there's, there's definitely politicians out there that want to do that. And then on the other side, 
You know, uh, we don't want the NRA to run amok and we people are walking around with machine guns and rocket launchers and shit like that. There has to be a happy medium. But just realize when you think about these debates and you talk about them with people that the overarching theme um, to any debate should be, this is America, we want our freedoms. How can we be as safe as we possibly can, but still have freedoms? And when you live in a society like that, you have to take personal inventory, personal accountability, and personal responsibility, and what's called supreme ownership with uh, risk management and understanding the risks and perils of being of just living in a free society. And you need to prepare yourself. And maybe we need people more aware to have more survival training to have to stop just being so um, sheepish and thinking that nothing bad will ever happen in your life. We have to uh, reinvent our society to to what it was a um, hundred years ago, fifty years ago, where people had a little bit more fight in them, a little bit more um, responsibility, accountability, and take ownership of their communities, of the people. But, I mean, think about it. This kid, I guarantee he had family, he had neighbors, he had uh, acquaintances that saw shit, and they just go, nah, he's fucked up. And they just let him be who he's going to be. Never be an influence. Never speak up. I see it all the time. Because as a you know recruiter in the military, I'm in high schools every day, almost. I talk to young people every single day. And you realize how many people just get um, just get passed by. Uh, for instance, I was in a high school the other day, and there's and it was one of my biggest high schools. And there's this girl that was with her friend that was over sitting on a bench, and the girl was crying, and the girl was consoling her and giving her a pep talk, and who knows what she was crying about. But I saw, you know, multiple dozens of people walk past those two and never once stop and say anything. But if if you boil that down to a, the smallest school that I have, I have a small school where it's like ages K through 12 are all in the same school. If someone's sitting on a bench crying, every single student and teacher and faculty member is going to stop and to see what is wrong with that kid because they are connected because you can't walk by when it's someone that you see and know and talk to every single day. But when you know, I went to a big city high school where it was 2,000 kids in my high school, and there was people that I would see. I mean, I would I run into people that graduated the same year I did, and I never even met them, okay? So I would see kids in my school that I didn't necessarily recognize. I didn't know. I didn't know their name. If somebody say, hey, do you know so-and-so? I don't know them. And so that is a problem. That is something that... Um, I'm not saying it needs to be fixed, but know that you're going to have, there's certain problems that only come from those type of situations. There's only certain problems that come in big cities. And there's only certain problems that come in small cities. Like in the smaller the towns, the more they got, you know, a lot of drug problems, a lot of small little petty crimes, kids getting in trouble, you know, drinking and, you know, all that shit. Because why? There's nothing to do in these small towns, right? <clears throat> but, um, in the big cities, you got 
a, a lot of crimes done on strangers, right? A lot of violent crimes and thefts and rapes and murders and shit like that. Not near as many um, per capita in these small towns because, you know, everybody knows everybody. And you need to have, we need to, to, to get back as a society into having some say in our communities and, and helping people um, raise their kids and, and having a voice, but we don't anymore. You see parents um, lack the ability to discipline and raise their kids because maybe they, they weren't taught correctly. Um, you know, they're working eight, 10 hours a day and they don't have the energy to, to properly uh, discipline or raise their kids. You have um, parents that, that do the easy thing, no matter if it's YouTube for the little kids or, or Facebook for the older kids or Snapchat or whatever else, and they're not involved in the rearing of the children. They're, the children are learning through all these multimedia sources, and they're not getting that, you know, the, those strong bonds with, with the family. The community's not involved. They see the neighbor kid fucking around out in the front yard, and all they do, they might call the cops or something, but they're never going to go out there and talk to that kid. Why? Because now we're scared because people get so defensive. Don't you can't talk to my kid that way. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, and that's that's an issue. If you go into a smaller community and you see a kid fucking around in a grocery store, you'll see someone grab that kid by the arm. Hey. Billy, I'm, I'm telling your fucking dad because they know the dad, they grew up with the dad, they know the kid, and that kid respects that person. You, I can't just do that in, to some random kid that doesn't know me and think the parent's going to have my back. And so we have a breakdown in many facets of our society, no matter if it's parenting our, our little our tribes or our cliques and our communities or na- our neighborhoods and, um, you know, our uh, our influx of media and influences have completely changed. You know, the people that, that young kids look up to aren't, uh, used to be like, uh, Buzz Aldrin and, uh, Neil Armstrong and, and, um, oh, um, Chuck Yeager and President Kennedy and Muhammad Ali and Martin Luther King. And, and you would have young people that especially were 18 and 19. Those are the people they looked up to, you know, even race car drivers or, or, you know, Wilt Chamberlain or something like that. But now you have uh, people that they idolize Instagram models and, you know, the Kardashians and and Real Housewives and, and all these people that are, uh, everyone has flaws, but they are so flawed human beings that you never want to model that behavior. And, um, you know, YouTube stars and, and people that are wanting to be famous for the sake of being famous, people that don't have any skill, people that don't have any talents, people that aren't really changing the world. Those are the influencers for this new generation. And the parents aren't, are, are non-existent in, in that process. And the parents, uh, the kids aren't looking up to the parents uh, near as much. Um, I, I, th- I think that there's, it's not just that, but what I'm saying is it's all of that. And then they go to a school where they where a teacher barely knows their name and they slip through the fucking cracks. And so society is breaking down on multiple tiers. And then you add guns and then you add antipsychotics and depression and ADHD pills and all this other shit. And you're going to have a powder keg and it's going to blow up. And so 
when you start talking about that, then people don't want to actually try to fix that shit. Why? Because that takes a generation to fix. That takes real um, hard work and communication and lots of research and data collecting and trial and error and communication that's bipartisan. And nobody wants to do that anymore. We are a society of teams. We are extremely tribal now where you're, you got the gun people over here and the anti-gun people over here, and they're never, ever going to sit down and debate it and talk about it. And that's a problem. If you can't ever sit down with people that you disagree with and have a civil discussion and conversation, nothing will ever get fixed. It's impossible. I mean, that's why the Civil War happened in this country. Yes, it happened because of slavery, but it happened because you have two irreconcilable differences that the people were just, there's no debate about it. And so there was nothing to do but fight over slavery. Um, you need to be open-minded to uh, to almost to a fault where you want to try to understand that person's perspective. I understand both. If somebody says, I want to ban AR-15s, I understand why. You know, I've, I've used M4s in combat. I know how deadly they can be, you know, and I know what they're designed for. They're not designed for hunting. You're absolutely right. But a Hellcat, you know, Dodge Challenger isn't designed for taking my kids to fucking school either, but I still want to be able to buy one if I want one. So guess what? If someone's into AR-15s and they want to go target shooting and stuff, I want that person to want to, to have the ability to do that. Why else would I serve in the military except to try to keep our free, our free country free? What is the point of people dying for people's freedoms if you're just going to take them away? What, what is the point for that? But slowly, every single decade, I see freedoms going down. And you go, I have the right for happiness. It's in the Constitution. I, I have, um, no, 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 no. It says the pursuit of happiness. You, have the, you don't have the right to be happy. You have the right to pursue it. And you have to take some responsibility with your own self, your own safety, your own community, your own kids, and understand that maybe you, we need to get back to stop throwing our kids into a school and not be involved in what's going on in that school. I mean, so many people are disconnected. And I know schools. I was a teacher. My wife's a teacher. Um, I, I understand how that stuff works. And for parents to ever think that a teacher is going to solve their kid's problem. I remember when I was a teacher, I had a parent that would uh, meet with me at parent-teacher conferences saying, what can you do to help me out with, it, with, with uh, this kid's discipline? It's like, can you do this? Can you do this? He seems to listen to you, but I don't understand why he's so respectful in your class. And then he comes home and acts like this. Can you talk to him about that? And I'm thinking to myself, I have your son for 47 minutes a day. You have him for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, 24 hours a day on the weekends. And if, if he's not listening to you, then you're the problem because I have certain standards in my classroom that are non-negotiable. And if he does not adhere to those rules and those that structure that I've provided for him in those 47 minutes, then he's not going to be in my class and he's definitely not going to have fun in my class. So what is the problem that I can make a kid follow directions for 47 minutes? 
Okay, but I can't make him go home and do the same thing if the structure and the discipline model is completely different. So unless you're going to do exactly what I do in my classroom, there's nothing I can do for you. And those parents, they don't want to do that. Why? Because it's work. If you're a parent, you understand how much work it is to sit there and discipline your kid and have structure and to have um, rules and to have a, a standard of living. Because if they waver from that, now it becomes work for you because you have to do something. Now you have to discipline that kid. You have to make sure, like for instance, uh, when I was married before, I remember grounding one of my stepkids and taking their car away for two weeks because they were drinking, going to parties. And I was like, the last thing you need is an automobile when you're doing that shit, right? Hold on. Oh, I fucking sneezed. That was a big one. My wife would yell at me if she heard that. Okay. Inside joke. So taking the car away to me was a no-brainer. But within about five days and once a weekend happened and the kid had to go to work and part-time job, my my then wife said, you can have the car back. Why? Because she said, why should I be punished? This is exactly what she said to me. Why should I be punished? Because she messed up. And it's hard. It, I don't want to have to pick her up from work at 10, 10 o'clock at night. I don't want to have to take her to work. I don't want to have to do the, take her to school. And I'm thinking to myself, you're a fucking parent. You're, that is your job is, yeah, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's, you got to do shit you don't want to do. But that's called being a fucking parent. And just throwing a kid a car keys and saying you take care of yourself at fucking 16 years old is part of the problem. Is, we, is this disconnection. You should be able to go, you know what, this is this is hard on me too, but I'm going to show you how important it is that you follow these rules that I'm willing to punish myself and punish you. And guess what? Misery loves company. So you're going to be miserable sitting here with me. Well, I can't get to work. Okay, well, maybe you ought to quit your job. Oh, you, do, you don't want to quit your job? Okay, well, maybe you ought to think about that because, oh, I don't, okay, I'll quit my job. Okay, how are you going to pay for your gas? How are you going to pay for your insurance? How are you, oh, Oh, you think I am? No, no, no. I guess we're selling your car now. And they understand that one thing can lead to another, can lead to another, and they understand consequences. But we don't do that now. You And I see that. It's all over society where you see that there's no true, that kids can't understand that, that they can't look at two or three tiers down the line. Like the example that I just used. If I get grounded, I can't go to work. If I can't go to work, I can't make money. If I can't make money, I can't pay for my cell phone, my car insurance, my gas. If I can't pay for that stuff, then what do I need a car for? How am I going to pay or my car payment or whatever else? And then if I don't have a car, then I can't get a job. I can't go hang out with my friends. If I can't get a job, then how am I going to get money to get my next this, this, this? And they see that it's it's this landslide effect if they just do one thing in their life, it could fuck up two or three other things. We don't do that anymore. Kids don't have the ability to understand that. I run into it all the time when I'm training young soldiers. They just don't understand that this consequence will lead, will fuck them up for years down the road. And so I have a kid right now that I have to discharge from the military because he, he uh, popped hot on a drug test. And they're booting him out of the military. So now he's going to get that, a discharge in the military that is on, in less than honorable conditions uh, for, uh, for drug use. And if he's honest, he's going to have to put that on a job application. 
he can't use any of these veteran benefits because he's he's not a veteran. He didn't even complete training. Um, so there's so you know he joins so he can help get school paid for. Can't use that benefit anymore. And so there's multi-tiered things that are going to f- that that issue is going to follow him for years to come, and he hasn't seen it yet. He just he just doesn't he doesn't understand the consequences. And he's 18 years old. So explain that to me. Because I've only been his sergeant for, you know, a few months. What have his parents? What have his parents done for 18 years? Maybe they've done it right. Maybe they haven't. But my point is that there's a problem when kids cannot see the consequences. So you have a kid that will go in and shoot up a school, never really look at the second, third, fourth, fifth tier. And I say that because when I was in high school, I definitely got picked on all the time. And I was one of those dorky, nerdy kids. I didn't have a lot of friends. Definitely wasn't popular. I was going through that awkward stage. I haven't hit my growth spurt yet. I had real bad acne, big, thick glasses. It it just wasn't, I was not killing the game in high school. Let's just say that. And so I would be lying to say that I didn't have violent thoughts where I go, well, I'm going to show these people. And think about doing crazy shit like a school shooting. But it would be in my head for a split second. Then I would think, okay, what would happen second and third and fourth and fifth? And you realize, oh my God, that is the worst decision I could ever do for my entire life over people, you know, kicking my books down the hall and fucking, you know, throwing me in a trash can and shit like that. And it's like, no, fuck this. And I understood that because I had you know, a good upbringing. I had uh, a support system at home. I had friends. I had, and I, uh, most importantly, I had something to live for. Even though my life was horrible in high school, I could see that it, it could potentially get better. I had hope. I had hope because I had a well-rounded outlook uh, on life and had a support system of people. And not, I didn't have the greatest support system, but I had something. And so if, you know, and I think to myself, I didn't have a lot. So how how little do these other kids have when they get to that point? Are they all just insane? Or have we failed them and they they went and did something insane is different than someone being insane. So we have to take accountability. We have to do a little house cleaning in our country. We have to take care of our communities and boil it down and we need to get a little bit more tribal and look at the people that are within a you know a, a, a city block radius and have a little bit more accountability and responsibility to those people in our communities. Instead of just going, I've lived next to these, and I'm guilty of it, where you live next to somebody for two or three years and you don't know them very well. I, I shouldn't say that because you know the the last every place I move, I I know the neighbors pretty well. I talk to them and stuff. But there's one in particular, I've lived here since July that live across the way from me and they got kids and stuff. And I, they're just not real friendly people. And the, and the kids, every time they see you, they like turn around and go the other way. And they're just not real. And so you don't know, I don't know where the guy works. I don't know where the kids go to school. It's just, it, there's a disconnect there. And, um, you know, we don't have as many community things that we used to we used to have like community barbecues and and block parties and get-togethers and stuff and that's what neighbors would do they would take each other's kids to school they would it was it was different and we have completely different problems now uh, everything from you know the Larry Nasser thing 
to the school shooting is because of the breakdown of society and the breakdown of communication with our children, with our communities, and um, people, you know, using that structure to uh, mitigate some of these risks. So it's a bigger problem than what we want to say it is, okay? All right, well, um, that's really what I wanted to talk about on this episode. Uh, This is a little bit shorter episode because actually I'm getting ready to go to work. But it was important for me to crack the mic on on this because I just want to give a little bit of more nuance to this topic. And I think it deserves nuance. There's 17 dead children or 14 dead children and three dead faculty members of that school. And they deserve a nuanced debate on this subject, not this knee jerk, take guns away, take this away, take, because that is not going to ultimately, it's going to cause more problems than it helps. That is never going to solve the problem. It just isn't. People will find a way to get weapons or they will do worse shit. Remember the Oklahoma City bombing? That wasn't a gun that did that. Okay, so when when people are inspired to do mass terror or mass casualty type situations, you don't want them to get too creative. And so the the issue is don't let them get to that point where they want to do it. There's a certain segment of the population they're always going to do crazy shit, and that's why you have to be the sheepdog and not the sheep. You know, listen to Tim Kennedy's Sheepdog podcast, you know. You need to take some personal responsibility in your own safety and not depend on police, fire, you know, the government, the military. You have to do the bare minimums for yourself and for your family. That's rule number one. But aside from that, then you have to get a little bit more involved in your community, in your political systems, and you, you can't just be involved once a tragedy happens. You can't sit by and not give a shit. I mean, how many of these people... Um, unfortunately that something happened to their kid that they didn't have a strong voice or opinion when it was someone else's kid. And that's, that's the issue is, is, you know, the worst thing about what happens in our country now, why it needs to be fixed is because when my wife first said, Hey, did you hear about that shooting in Florida? I did, but I didn't really read it. And I go, yeah, what's it? Why? It's just another school shooting. She goes, oh, well, it was like 17 people killed. And I was thinking, oh, shit, I thought it was only like two or three. How fucked up is that? That I thought, oh, only two or three people. It's not hardly even worth my time. I mean, that's fucked up, is that we need it to be something big and bigger. And pretty soon, 17 will just be like, eh, yeah, you know. I mean, it's it, it's getting a little ridiculous and a little crazy. But the craziness comes from thinking that there's a simple solution. Um. And that's ridiculous to think is just one thing that you that you could do to prevent this stuff. Um, what is what is up with our schools that somebody wants to shoot random people in them? That's what I want to know. So, all right, till next time, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the support. Um, as always, I'm on I'm on Twitter, a Foot Podcast, Twitter, a FootPodcast.com. If you want to go to the website. Um, in the next podcast, I'll update what I'm doing with my art stuff, YouTube stuff um, that's non-existent at this point because I've been a shitbag. But uh, I'll update that in a, in a future podcast. So let me shut this off and go to work so I don't get fired so I can still afford to uh, host my website and do this podcast. So till later or wait. <laughs>
till yeah till later okay till next time people i'm johnny doe signing out peace